0: grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Most likely you've played at one time or another the game, Who Am I? Someone gives you a riddle and you keep guessing until you come up with the answer, or maybe give up. Uh, Riddles like, I have four legs but cannot walk, and maybe you recognize that that would be a table. I have one eye, but cannot see. Right? Right? <laughs> a needle, or maybe a storm. I am light as a feather, but the strongest man can't hold me for more than five minutes. That would be, yeah, you got it. That would be your one's breath. It's always fun to play games, but... But when Jesus asks, who do people say that the Son of Man is, it's in all seriousness. Sometimes people will do a man-on-the-street sort of thing. They'll ask random people who they think Jesus is. I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised that some of the answers are, well, he's a good person who lived a long time ago, or. They might say he's a miracle worker, he was a healer. Uh, they might say he was a prophet, or, or maybe uh, a moral teacher. Some might say, well, I, I don't believe he ever really existed, he, he was a myth. Uh, I heard one man say, but regardless of whether he was real or not, the lessons he teaches are extremely important to make us more civilized. Thought that was an interesting one, whether he was real or not, the lessons he taught. Hmm. Uh, some people just say, I have no idea who Jesus is. And of course, then, every now and then, you find people that do know who Jesus is. But Jesus takes this question of who he is to the disciples, and he asks for the opinion that's out there on the street. He asks, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? the disciples answer with things that they've heard from the crowds John the Baptist Elijah Jeremiah or or maybe another one of the prophets now these are all incredible choices John the Baptist you know killed by Herod but maybe back from the dead I mean Herod himself thinks that Jesus is John the Baptist come back from the dead Elijah, Jeremiah, great prophets of God, Elijah standing up to the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, Jeremiah preaching God's judgment and God's deliverance for Israel before the Babylonian captivity. Every one of these choices indicated that the people recognized that Jesus was no ordinary man because of the signs and the wonders that he was doing among them. To be sure, Jesus also preaches repentance in preparation for the coming of the kingdom of God like John the Baptist did and Jesus warns of God's impending judgment like Jeremiah did. But the understanding of Jesus of Nazareth as a great man, as a great moral teacher, even a teacher sent by God, a miracle worker, or even one of the prophets of old brought to life again, none of these hit the mark. None of them even comes close, and none of these will be of any value in saving lost sinners from the curse of the fall, from the wages of sin, which is eternal death and separation from God. When God's law breaks through our hard-heartedness and convicts us of our sin, when we cry out for mercy to God in heaven, there is no comfort in Jesus as a moral teacher who says, try harder. There is no hope for us in a man who gives good advice about steps we can take to turn our lives around. We don't need a myth or a legend, a John the Baptist or a Jeremiah, or a good person who lived a long time ago and went about loving people. None of these will be of any help or comfort to us when our sins pile on to us, when our shortcomings and our failures threaten to overwhelm us or when the day of judgment comes like a thief in the night and we are suddenly standing before the judge of all the earth. No, then our only hope is to flee for refuge to God's infinite mercy, seeking and imploring His grace and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Then we need Jesus to be just what He is, the Son of God, sent to be the expiation, the atonement, for every one of our sins. When our eternity, one of life or one of death, hangs in the balance, then we need Jesus to be the Lamb of God, washing us clean in His blood. God says, The soul that sins, it shall die. Then He graciously Lovingly, mercifully sends his own son to die our death. Thank God Jesus isn't just a wise man or a good moral teacher. Jesus then turns the all-important question to the disciples, to the twelve who have been with him for several years. But who do you say that I am? Well, that's the question That is put to us today, too. Who do you say that Jesus is? Maybe you've heard of the famous trilemma. C.S. Lewis popularized it in his book, Mere Christianity. He says either Jesus was a liar, or he was a lunatic, or he is Lord. Lewis writes, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend, and consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. Jesus asks the question of the twelve and Peter steps up to the plate with an answer and Peter usually puts his foot in his mouth but here he gets it right you are the Christ the son of the living God what does it mean that Peter calls him the Christ the Greek you know Christus and the Hebrew Messiah they're the same word And they both translate as anointed one. In essence, Peter is saying, you, Jesus, are the anointed one of God. And you'll recall who are the ones that are anointed in Scripture. They're the prophets and the priests and the kings. Jesus is the Son of God who was incarnated, who was enfleshed, made man to be our prophet, to bring to us the word of God, words of judgment and words of grace, words of love and forgiveness, words of truth and words of life. And he came to be our priest, the one who would stand in the gap between us sinners and a holy God, one who would make the sacrifice, who would be the sacrifice for our sin, who would be the perfect spotless lamb and lay down his life for the wayward sheep to bring them back into the fold and because he obeyed the will of the Father and gave his life as a ransom for many, the Father has put all things in subjection to Jesus. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. He is King and Lord of all. And because Jesus is our prophet, priest, and king, anointed one, Messiah Christ is the only fitting title you are the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus responds to Peter and says blessed are you Simon bar Jonah Simon son of Jonah for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you the knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is doesn't come from people and it's not from the musings of your own mind you are piecing together the truth it's not from yourself Peter's confession does not come because he's sorted out the trilemma it's not even because he's seen Jesus healing people or dominating the demons feeding the multitudes or calming the storm or raising the dead back to life Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, who is in heaven. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is the author of our faith. He is the perfecter. God the Father revealed to Peter and to the others who Jesus is, and God has graciously revealed to you and to me and to countless more who Jesus is. And this confession, that Jesus is the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God, is what Jesus is building his church on. Jesus says that the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. Satan will not overcome it. Someone once pointed out that the the gates of a city are not an offensive weapon. The gates of hell can only be defensive. Hell does not make an assault on the church, but the church makes its assault on the gates of hell. And that assault is led by the confession and proclamation that Jesus is the Christ, the one that God anointed to be our prophet, priest, and king. That in His death and resurrection alone is forgiveness and acceptance and life. And this confession is enough to tear down the gates of hell to release those held captive by the devil in his kingdom of darkness. And here, this very morning, we receive the gifts of Jesus' anointed work. We hear the word from God, Your sins are forgiven. We receive the benefits of his sacrificial death and his death-defying resurrection, as he gives to us this day his own body and blood, given and shed for us. And together, we sing our praises to Jesus. We worship Him as our Savior and Lord forever. We are the Church. We are built on the rock. The confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. In His wonderful name, Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.